Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Well, Jackson Jacks. After mom was over on the board, SP Futures up 27, NASDAQ Futures up 98. Maybe an up week here. Who the hell knows? We'll see. Brent, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well this morning, Chief. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. Back the society after. Uh, Disconnecting for several days. Yeah, I, uh, well, you know, we, we still kept shooting everybody. So, I mean, we, it wasn't <laughs> like everybody took the weekend I'm off. Catching up on that stuff, I'm, you know, I, I heard briefly about Dylan Cease's one hitter that he lost with two outs in the night. Yeah. I, uh, I, I saw briefly that the uh, Notre Dame Irish were ahead in the halftime and then they lost the game, but I didn't see a play of either one of those games this weekend. I was, uh, I've been in Michigan with my. My family, my kids, my grandkids were over for the holiday weekend and completely disconnected. And you know, it was a pleasure. Um, well, you, the fourth quarter of the Florida State LSU game was something to watch. So that you might, if you could find that one somewhere on uh, YouTube, you might want to watch that. It was pretty interesting. The Irish game was uh, Brian Brian Kelly's uh, debut. Yeah, and he ended up losing it. Are you still talking with that uh, South Side of South Bend accent? <laughs> oh, I don't know. He. Uh, all those guys are, well, I, mean, I won't say all of them, I shouldn't do that, but some of those dudes are, uh, I'd say, two-faced. Is that a fair assessment? Um, really? Just saying. I remember <laughs> one, of, one of the best was uh, when Lou Holtz was up in Minnesota, and he, he was the head coach up there, and uh, John's bro Pete uh, <clears throat> was playing for Minnesota, and he, you know, he, they knew Lou pretty well. Talk about an insidious relationship. I guess it was the, the uh, D-back coach. Up there at the time, who? Pete Carroll. Really? Yeah. Talk about small world, eh? Yeah. So when those guys at Southern, when he was at Southern Cal, they came down to play at Notre Dame, and so Pete got me into the day before practice from Southern Cal. That was really neat. Um, but, I mean, they're BSing with Pete Carroll and all that stuff, and uh, you got a pretty interesting view of uh, of college athletics, uh, even even a mm-hmm. really good team, um, and how you know the depth, you know, sort of wasn't necessarily there uh but anyway i could tell a long story about that because the the observations were were pretty amazing but evidently lou holtz had a uh i don't know he had in his contract where he could go to like a couple of schools well of course he ends up going to notre dame and the the speech was you know if i if you cut my my wrist you'd see that the blood ran blue and gold that's why i put that in my contract right so you know it sounded great when he came to Notre Dame, well, Pete said he thought he was getting the job at Ohio State, like the year before. Oh, if you, if you cut my wrist, you thought you would think the the thing ran what red and silver, scarlet and red. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like these guys, 
you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's an int- it's a it's an interesting profession, and they all they all know each other. They all know who are good coaches. That's why when somebody gets fired, that's why who was who uh one of the listeners? Some lady was out. No, it was it was yeah? Well, she's a listener, somewhat of a, a well, she's a contributor actually. She couldn't believe that that Matt Nagy got a, co- a, a job back at KC. I said, hey, the guy's a good coach. That's why they hired him in the first place. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> he just ended up with a team that, you know, and, and it's it's so interesting. I mean, I was, we might as well go into this a little bit. Everybody's interested in anything. You look at what this guy's doing with the Bears. Now, he's got a real young team. All of a sudden, he's got all these draft picks. And all these guys are young and fast, and they're trying to make the team. Now, whether they're great football players or not, you know, to be, to be determined, I guess. And, and all of a sudden now, they're playing the starters a little more, okay, in the exhibition. It looks more like a, you know, you know, maybe a Southsider would run a camp. Yet Nagy didn't have any of those sorts of things. He had a mm-hmm. bunch of veterans that, that he's trying to nurse through the year, <laughs> and there's no way on earth you're playing those guys. Half of them aren't even available for the exhibition season. You got guys like Goldman, and who's the other the big guy they just – uh, lost many in D line. The guy with the Akeem, Miami, Akeem Hicks. Hicks, and then you had uh, uh, the other guy, Khalil Mack. I mean, you had people that you're trying to, and, and who was the linebacker? It was really good, but only played like six games a year. Danny Trevathan. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, th- you, you can't treat those guys the same way you treat the young guys that come in and are trying to make the team. I mean, every year is different, every team is different. So, you, you almost can't, you know, you can't compare the two coaching. Styles because of the players they had. I mean, it's not like, you know, Matt Nagy doesn't know how doesn't know the difference between an X and an O. I mean, he, he clearly does. He was the choice ahead of this guy two, four years ago, or wherever it was. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying this guy won't be really good. He might very well be, which I don't wish him all the luck in the world. But it's, I mean, there's a lot. A lot goes into this, and you can't just compare. You know, this guy's all we're going to out hustle guys. We're going to be faster than guys. Well, well Nagy could have said all he wanted, but his people were on the bench. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, there's. I don't know that necessarily that the the coach can can match the team to his style, unless you're Tom Landry or somebody where you and the general manager and the owner are all right on the same page. I don't think the, the or Bears the same have ever, guy. yeah, or, or the same guy. But if that's you don't find that too often. I mean, isn't a what's his name's the general manager? Isn't he many of the guy in New England? Is he the GM too? Belichick. Yeah, is he, is he the GM too? Uh, yeah, I think so. So yeah, well that, but I mean. Uh, I mean, look at the great organizations. They're all on the same page. And I don't think the Bears have ever been on the same page, have they? In my lifetime, except when maybe Jim Finks was there. How long ago was that? Well, Finks was an aberration, both in his approach and in his position with the Bears. And uh, I mean, he really did a fantastic job building that team that should have won a lot more Super Bowl than they did. Um, but, I mean, he, he was just a fantastic GM. Well, you know... It's interesting when you when you when you say that. There's all kinds of, uh, like I said, I become addicted to this Quora thing. I swear I'm never going to read it again. Then all of a sudden, there's a question there that really intrigues me. Um, you know, they talk about, uh, uh, you know, Bill Russell who just passed. You know, the greatest champion. How he's 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 way better than the Magic Johnson was. He's way better than Wilt. He's way better than these other guys. He's, and, and again, I, I'm a massive fan of of Bill, of, uh, Bill Russell, but Somebody will write in. I won't say something stupid, but he'll say something like, "Gee, how come uh, you know Larry Bird didn't win like as many?" Like <laughs> the answer always is, "Look at the teams they played against." <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, these other guys were like really good too. <laughs> you 
It wasn't. It wasn't like you know you, you're playing against Jerry's kids. You know, and, and Bill Russell had in his career there had what something like ten or eleven Hall of Famers he played with. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, again, it's not taking anything away from him, but you know, you can't. You know, why didn't why didn't the Big O win five championships? Well, hell, he played for Cincinnati. His whole career, duh. I mean, and he's you know he's playing against the Celtics for God's sake, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of it has to do with you know why why you know who you're playing against. I mean, I mean when the Bears were playing, and great, and I'm with you that that team was the youngest team in football, which most people don't. I'm sure you guys remember in 1985 when they won. But I mean, clearly, San Francisco was a spectacular team. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it wasn't like they were playing against nobody. I mean, right? Right. So it's 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 kind of when a competition is that good, it's really hard to win like eleven or twelve championships, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, but that's well, I mean, I mean that's a fair comparison. When you look at the the Celtics, they they had a lopsided number of of the All Stars compared to the rest of the league, and um, it, it it just seemed like the quality of players. When you're looking at the Magic Johnson, the Larry Bird era. Um, you know, the te- the real superstars were spread out more on other teams, and um, and, and it's hard to win. I mean, it's hard to win even today uh, in any sport. Consistently. Well, well, the year that uh, Wilt won at Philly was it Philly? They had they had, <coughs> they, had in Philadelphia. they had arguably you know one of the best starting fives ever. Wasn't it uh, Gus Jansen, Chet Walker, uh, Hal Greer, and uh, who's the other guy? Wally. Having that plan for um, the Bucks forever, Wally, something, something. The other guard. I mean, they had. I mean, Chet Walker. Why he's not in the Hall of Fame, I have no idea. I, mean, I think he's a little too outspoken. But Gus Johnson was one of the original power forwards that tore down backboards, right? I mean, he was a massive mm-hmm. man. I mean, no, nobody wanted to go up against that guy. He was meaner than Wilt. Um, so I mean, they had, they had, and then all of a sudden they lost one or two guys, and uh, and uh, you know that was the end of it. Hey. I don't know if I tried to send this to you, although online they're not so good. I don't know what Audrey gets this thing, and I don't want to go into it too deep, but boy, it's. If you take the whole thing, there's this paper that comes out in uh, Orleans called the Self Cook News. Now, it's clearly driven from the, the right wing, shall we say, a little bit, uh, Brendan, but I tell you what, um, you know, just with their choice of articles. But they're getting all the, the, the... It had more information in here than I've seen in ages regarding schools. Mm-hmm. Brendan, it's brutal. It is friggin' brutal. Everything we've sort of talked about is in this paper. <laughs> with, with uh, I mean, uh, I, mean I, don't, I don't even know where you want to start, but this is a, a vicious indictment of the last... And I don't, you can't blame it, I don't think, necessarily on individuals totally, but it's, a, it's an absolute vicious indictment of the last decade of education in the state. Especially with the COVID, and how these decisions to close this and close that, um, you know, I, uh, I they've got here numbers from 2001 to 2022. Chicago public schools enrollment collapse continues. At 435,000 kids in 2001, they're down to 330. Mm-hmm. Yet the budget is up 30 uh, percent. Yep. I mean, it's uh, when you I mean, you were spent you spent the weekend uh, up in Michigan. I'm sure you're talking to all kinds of family members and just guessing your family's not shy about talking about what's going on in the world. I uh, no, they're not. I I would say that you know I listen to the, the financial talk shows and the people who are doing very very well. 
and the whole, the whole thrust of it all day long seems to be to tell you how good you're doing. You know, as Tommy Shanahan would say, they're peeing on your shoes and they're telling you it's raining, you know, type of thing. And uh, I don't know, the more, the more I, I look around, Brennan, I see driving by places on a Sunday night in front of a, of a bar and I see two cars in front of the place and I, I don't know, one of the guys in the, in the building here is, uh, you know, he's always driving an old car. Um, and so he is his, I don't know what the thing is, 2002 or four Chevy van, the, the trans blows. And of course, even his Hispanic buddies, uh, they're supposedly going to give him a break, want like 2,500 bucks to, to do a trans. We're not talking about a heavy-duty vehicle. We're talking about, you know, a minivan. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'll, let me make a couple calls. You know, I might know some guys. Got a old guy, right? So there's a guy that I know that might be a little cheaper, but I want to get some kind of lay of the land for, uh, uh, you know, for what the what the price is. So I called the guy who did my transfer case on the Suburban. That are not are not cheap, cheap, but they're good, right? So I said to the guy, hey, I got a buddy. Here's the car, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, we can rebuild that right here. And I said, okay, now what's that going to run? He goes, and the prices he was getting was like twenty three, twenty four hundred bucks. The guy goes, yeah, that, that's like twenty three fifty, <laughs> you know. So it's like right in the middle. And I go, you know, it seems it, it seems a little rich if you guys could rebuild it your place in a day, you know. Really? Uh, he goes, last year it'd have been eighteen hundred. Yeah. I go, okay then. Now this dude has no more chance in hell than than be able to write a check for. 23, I mean, you know, he's got good credit, I mean, there's credit cards and like that, so he, he can easily throw it on a credit card. But the idea is, he, there's no way on earth that this guy's going to write that check. And I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling, Brendan, that we're, we're reaching the end of the rope here for an awful lot of people. And when I say that, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm going to look again at this, uh, which I don't want to do on a Monday morning, with the, uh, the savings per family. Last week it ducked under eight thousand bucks for the first time in like a really long time. It's going down like a hundred or two hundred dollars a week, and, and and the credit card debt is going up. And I just I don't see how the hell that we're gonna that, that this does we don't have a really bad ending here. And now people are starting to get laid off, even though we had the, the numbers Friday that allegedly were sp- were spectacular, right? But and I don't, I don't know who who makes the uh, uh, the the judgment as to who. I mean, what Carl said that the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the, uh, whatever, the unadjusted number, the number came in at 310, 315 positive, right? So the unadjusted number was minus 300,000. Now, the good news is we did seem to get a lot of people who um, were not in the labor force came back in. So I think that's a very positive. So, I mean, I, didn't, I don't think the numbers were, were horrible, horrible at all. I mean, but I don't... How, how does somebody make a, who decides to make a six hundred thousand person adjustment? I mean, when you and I went to school a long, long time ago, everybody did have a summer job, and you did have this massive flip. Is everybody having back to school in August, right? I mean, there were guys that were, right. were you know, guys and ladies that were lifeguards. There were all kinds of summer jobs that all of a sudden didn't have. Them. I don't, I don't think that's the same anymore. Do you? It doesn't seem to be. It seems like there are a lot fewer kids working, and, uh, in the, well, I think part of that is because um, there aren't as many summer jobs available. I think, uh, you know, in the last several years, uh, a lot of the jobs were taken by the high school and college kids were taken by people trying to support their families as a second job or a third job. Well, I mean, I so now this week I just kicked this up. We're down to 78.34 and savings per family. Um, you know, it's it's it's... it's 
it got up to 55000 when they sent out all the checks for the uh, PIP stuff and everything. So it's been going down relentlessly, and the credit card debt uh, continues to go up. And uh, credit card debt's now a trillion one five eight. Brendan, our, our our people are running out of dough at this at these price levels. And I don't know what I mean. I don't know what you, you do about that, but your your wealthier population is seems is me to me is dropping like a rack of 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 the bottom eighty percent anyway. Well, I, I I think you're right that I think a lot of the wealthy people are still. Uh, doing much better than they were before, and uh, you know, to some extent, they're they're still supporting some of the economy by by the jobs they create. But there's you know, there's more automation. There's there's uh, downward prices on wages, or trying to keep downward prices on wages, ostensibly to, to control inflation. So I mean, there, there's a lot of things here. But I yeah, I think ultimately your statement is true that the middle class. Is, is going away completely. Those who are below the middle class are struggling to make ends meet, and the wealthier are getting wealthier, tremendously wealthier. Yeah, it's a. Uh, well, we, I don't know if you listened. You you were doing better things, but we had a uh, Karen on last week, Karen Reeves, and uh, she was talking. You know, maybe you can get some of the history of this. And I'm not, I'm not as accusative as uh, as actually she was, and a few other people have been. Um, it appears there's a there's a big, uh, shall we say, split in the road between the jobs that are now available and the education for people. Um, well, for instance, you know we, we're going to lay off how many thousand people in the mortgage industry, and yet there are incredible jobs available for people in machine work uh, and anything like that, engineering, all those kinds of things. All as we bring. I don't, I don't know how successful or whatever it is with the, who knows whether whether Trump, somewhere between him and the last few presidents and what's going on with China, we are getting more work back here, right? And we're also having the, the places that have stayed in business, even though others were falling around them, the, the, you know, your, your basic industry, shall we say. From what I understand, um, Brennan now have a, a real problem with a maintenance because their machines are 20, 30, 40 years old and they either need them fixed up or new ones or stuff and, and they're having issues you know they've been making 30 widgets a week and now people want 50 and now that causes at the very least fixing your well, old crap that's right? part of the problem yeah. you're, you're right on on that part that's part of the problem the second part of the problem is that the people who knew how to fix them or know how to fix them are getting older and either dying or retiring. Right. And there's not enough in the pipeline. I mean, take, for example, any one that, that's not in the machine industry or, uh, or fixing up uh, equipment, but just also look at what some of the companies are doing. There's a mismatch, uh, mismatch of folks uh, who are able to, to perform jobs and where the jobs are. I think that's why you don't see this disparity in the unemployment numbers, and how can unemployment be so low when there's so many jobs available? Well, one perfect example that I see is what's happened in the airline industry. When the airline, when uh, COVID hit and the airlines was um, you know, shut down for a year or two years, they got rid of all the pilots. Now, you know, it's one thing to get rid of or to reduce the staff of flight attendants because the ramp up to teach people how to be uh, a flight attendant, for example, is much different than you need for a machinist who's going to work on the jet engines or the pilot who flies the plane. And you know, when you get rid of a number of pilots of senior levels, it takes too much time in the pipeline 
to just throw a switch and say, by next week, we'll have enough pilots, no matter how many people are available, no matter how many people want to be pilots, it, it takes time to train them for that job. And you know, I think the same thing is true with, the, <clears throat> with different types of machinists. Well, they need time to train them how to fix the, the machinery. Well, why don't we have any common sense kind of stuff coming out of, I'm not blaming the Democrats, any administration that says, wow, it looks to me like maybe we should extend the retirement age of pilots for a year. Well, despite despite the throwaway comment about not blaming the Democrats, which it seems like you were doing, well, but, I, I think it's, well, I mean, it, I think it's Trump, kind of universal. That, but Trump could have done that. Uh, Trump could have done that. I mean? I said Trump could have done that. He didn't. Yeah. Well, I... <laughs> Okay, I'm not even going to go down that path. <laughs> Trump could or could well, not. Well, what I'm saying is, we uh, still don't the, some of the obvious uh, type stuff, and and we've heard. I don't you know if you listen in much, but Kevin has talked about how Ivy Tech, their their place, has sort of recognized this on the uh, on the on the blue collar side, and they've had they've they, they've been ramping up their training in Indiana in their school. You know. You, you know, he's talking his own game a little bit. He's talking it because he's doing it. It's not like he's, he's you know, he's, he's, he's kidding us. They have, he goes, they've got welding. They've got machine control uh, training. They've got, they've got all that stuff going there. They've, and they're expanding it, obviously, because but the, but it's already in, in play. Now, my question is, with the, with the way the, the, the I'm going to say, I'll take a shot, the way the unions and the way the city government here and the state government here, if they see the need, Brendan, what are we, a decade away from them doing anything? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, we, we, we can't, the, the, the slowness of the, of the Chicago public schools, the state schools here, if, if we decide we need welders, they're going to have 15 meetings over the next four years to, to make sure that we need them, and by the time they come up with them, we're not going to get a load of this. Again, in this paper, Brandon, I, and I know you're pretty close to some of these guys, but I, 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 in, in my wildest dreams, I never, uh, <coughs> Chicago public schools, most empty schools, Where's Manley High School? I have no idea. That's on the south side. Student capacity. On the west side. Student capacity, 1,296. Now, this, the source is from the CPS. Now, I'm, I'm assuming these guys aren't cheating on the numbers, but I, maybe they are. I don't. Guess what the actual enrollment is? Probably about 300. 64. Okay. That's a, common, that's a common statistic. I didn't know it was that low at Manley, but I, and I agree to that. That's been a problem for CPS and CPS administration. Uh, going back to when ROM closed the 50 schools, you may remember that yeah. about uh, eight, ten years ago, and the blowback he got from the community. And yet it's hard for me to, to comprehend, and I certainly cannot uh, justify or defend a decision to keep a school built for 1,300 kids, 1,200 kids, that has less than 100 kids in it uh, currently. The idea of what the upkeep has caused, uh, plus the resources to fill that with teachers and bare minimum staff for, for maintenance is ludicrous. Uh, there should be a combination, a constriction of schools and a combination. And you're right that that's going to be a long-term solution only because of the, uh, the animosity between the CTU and the administration. And uh, the, the administration is, has its hands tied because of how strong the CTU is. And I agree with you that that's an example of uh, a union going crazy with power. 
and um, and you've seen in some of their elections how uh, how vocal the oppositions have been, but they haven't got the votes to turn out people like uh, 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 Karen Lewis and then uh, Jesse Sharkey and now Stacey Davis, um, who are driving the bus from that perspective. But it does not make sense to keep schools open if they've got fewer than 100 kids in there uh, and their old facilities. Part of the debt problem that the, that the CPS has had over the years is long-term debt requirements, debt service, on what they're done, they've done to build schools. And, of course, one of the problems is when you're building brand-new schools, where are you going to build them? Where physically are you going to build them? And by the time they are built, are those neighborhoods still the ones that need the schools? Um, there's no easy answer to that. But the more new schools you build, the more expensive they are. And if they're in the wrong neighborhood because the demographics don't support a bunch of children in that neighborhood anymore because they've moved three miles away, well, then there's a really big argument that you, you've wasted the money because of, of poor planning. The other part of that, though, is to make sure that you're closing down the schools that need to be closed because they're out of date and they're no longer used by people in the neighborhood. Well, here's uh, here's one. Here's a suggestion. How can we? We only got a minute here. Tilden High School, 1,608 uh, capacity, uh, 172 enrolled. Why don't we say by by December or by the January semester? We're going to re-up the welding, machinery, and other stuff that that place used to have, and we're going to take people there from all over the city to want to come. And maybe we'll even partner up, partner up with a junior college or one of those places to get it done in five months. Why can't we do that? And if, this, and if the Chicago Public if the union doesn't want it, disband them. Screw them. That's a great idea. The only question I have is, are there enough welded, welded teachers that can make that if you par- If you partner up with, uh, If you partner up with somebody, you probably can get them. Probably, and that I think is an excellent solution. I agree with you completely. That's an excellent solution to uh, uh, get skills to, into the hands of the students that they can use in their daily life. That's a wonderful suggestion. So, so the question we just answered or asked is what, like a fart in a hurricane? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I mean, are the chances of our people ever acting quickly? And I mean, because uh, the push in Indiana. What Kevin and those guys are trying to do is to is to drive someone that's training down to senior year in high school. So mm-hmm. when you come out of high school, you only maybe need one year for your certification because the jobs are there right now. I mean, we don't we don't need the CPS to, to decide to do this in, in the year twenty thirty, right? I mean, we need to do this like right away. I think. I agree completely because by twenty thirty there'll be another issue front and center that needs to be handled with more urgency than whether a welding class is done because that welding class should have been made and the decision should have been made in 2022. So uh, real quick, because we got a dash, uh, out of the 172 people at Tilden, uh, percentage of students pr- proficient in reading and prof- uh, percentage uh, proficient in math. Guess, guess what the numbers are. I'm going to say, uh, when you say proficient, you mean at their... Your grade level, I'm yeah. going to say it's probably less than 15%. 2% and 1%. Mm-hmm. And uh, just as a, as a final note here, uh, tax dollars spent in Chicago Public Schools in 2013, $5.8 billion for 403,000 kids, and now we're at $9.3 billion for 330,000 kids. Brent, could we be doing any worse? Well, that, again, is uh, a big problem with the school closures over the years, and the CTU insists that the schools stay open 
and how heavily they're staffed, plus their salary drives. Um, you know, it, it, when we're talking about lower classrooms as an ideal place for learning, that's one question. But when you're bringing it down to you know, 70 kids in a high school, uh, yeah. it does not make sense to have a, a full complement of teachers for that students when you could combine them into different schools like you suggested earlier or have different programs like welding or other uh, uh, other disciplines. All right, but are you back here? Or are you st- are you hanging up there? Uh, still there, uh, still over here uh, this week, and then um, in two weeks, well, ten days now. Dale and I are going on a trip. Oh yeah, that was was planned and paid for in COVID and rescheduled. So we're going to Africa. Try and stay away from nice. like, the snakes and crocodiles and stuff. <laughs> yeah, we'll be out in safari in southern Africa and Botswana and Zimbabwe for a while, see Victoria Falls. Uh, uh, make sure we stay away from the hungry, hungry hippos. Oh, God. <laughs> You're here next week, though, right? Yes. All right, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Have a good one. SP Feeders up 24. SP Feeders up 66. Kind of nice to was up for a change. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Smith Weber on the board. It's a good thing I was talking about the crummy stuff in the schools with Brendan because I'm reading the headlines here around the rest of the world. They're worse. <laughs> God bless it. Do they get worse after a three-day weekend or what? What do you think about the guy who, who heaved himself out the window from Bed Bath & Beyond? The, the CFO. I didn't even read that. Yeah. Well, the, 
The good news is at least the stack is down. You know, it'd be even worse if the stack was up when the guy <laughs> killed himself. Anyway, SP futures up 22. They're leaking a little bit. Nasdaq futures up 59. Dow futures up 194. I did say up 22 on the S&P futures. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 115. That's 0.9%. FTSE up 18.2. They got a new uh, prime minister over there. Uh, CAC around up 16.3%. But she's got to go today to to get the full approval from the Queen, right, Manny? Isn't that the deal? You got to go see the Queen to make sure she gives you the blessing, which she always does, but it's a formality. Uh, Nikkei up seven. Uh, call that flat. Shanghai up 43, one percent. Uh, Hang Seng, however, cannot get moving. Only down 22, but still 19,202. Ouch. So we have review on Friday. Dow was down 337. S&P down 42. Nasdaq down 154. Talk about pissed at yourself. We were way up in the morning, and all of a sudden we start leaking, leaking, leaking. There was stuff that. Paid 14 cents on the options expired on Friday. They closed like three dollars. That's that's a nice day because as soon as the the gas prompt thing got turned off, all of a sudden we started heading south and never looked back. Uh, bonds today uh, down seven basis points, 3.26. The Bund unchanged 1.56. Japan unchanged 0.24. Oil down 12 cents, 86.75. Rent down 259.93.15. As a uh, OPEC gave a very very minor. Uh, oil cut, oil production cut. I don't know what they did that for, but uh, it wasn't much what people expected. Anyway, oil still 86.71, not railing at all. Natural gas down 21 cents, not on to 8.57 after being like ni- mid nines like last week. Our Bob unchanged 2.45. Gold up 30 cents, 17.22, still in like this 1700 to maybe 1800, maybe 17.75 range. Silver up, up 35 cents, that's 2 percent. Back up over 18, 18, 23. Copper up three cents, 344. We've got uh, Bitcoin 19, 872. It's actually up 157, but lingering under this 20,000 number, which makes everybody nervous. And we've got the European, well, the Euro, Euro dollar is still under a, under a buck for us, 0.9925. So actually, I'll say more under a buck than it was last week. Maybe we have for Australia Weather Sports. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We had an earlier crash on the Bishop Ford inbound just before the I-57 split. Apparently that crash has been cleared, but there's some congestion coming in on both 57 and the Bishop Ford due to that earlier crash. That's our only concern right now here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, The traffic volumes are starting to build, uh, so uh, make sure uh, you are giving yourself plenty of time as you head out this morning because I think we're going to start seeing uh, more and more traffic post-Labor Day here. Weather today, partly cloudy, high of 75. Right now it's overcast and 71 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny and hot, a high of 110 today. Right now it's clear and 88. In sports, White Sox are still in it, Chief, uh, with uh, about, uh, what, four weeks left in the season, three and a half weeks left in the season. They beat the Mariners 3-2 last night in Seattle and are two games back of Cleveland in the division. Cubs are off. They'll host the Reds tonight at Wrigley. That's a 6.40 Chicago time first pitch. Diamondbacks shut out the Padres 5-0. Chief. I'm going to say in all my years of watching baseball, which has been a long time, and uh, I always wished I could have seen Ichiro more, it's probably the first game I've ever watched in Seattle last night because it it started (laughs) at quarter to six, right? Yeah, it wasn't a super late start. Um, Joe, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Chief. How are you on this side? Tuesday morning, Sean. Back to school day, huh? Well, I'm just reading. I'm reading the headlines, and I'm like, really? Uh, Moscow doubles down on energy supply warnings. Ukraine claims it's killed over fifty thousand Russian troops. Uh, you know, where's their good here? Guy wings himself out of the 
out of the uh, how many floors from uh, Bed Bath and Beyond? Uh, that's not good. Just, just no, saying. not no, not a good week last week. Not a good couple weeks. Uh, you know, you always, uh, you know, you always are a little bit nervous when you close. At, you know, lowest close of the week was on Friday, um, and now we're up. Um, it's just one of those situations where you know you just hope that that uh, that maintains. So we do have some nice games, as you mentioned. We have faded uh, a little bit, twenty handles off the high, so that's not a good thing. But. Uh, Right now, heading into the quad witch, I mean, things are pointing south, Chief. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's any other way to put it, uh, you know, as far as the overall the S&P 500 goes. I would, I would agree with you. I think the, uh, somewhere along the line here, in, in one man's opinion, Jolie, the, the, the pressure from the, uh, shall we say, the, the, the top dogs in society to keep this inflation going is more than being matched, I think, especially with this... The, uh, the U.S. Congress election by the pressure from the lower people saying, "What do you do to me?" I mean, it's uh, it's it's yeah. it's pretty brutal. I mean, I think the the pressure is on these guys big time. The pre- I bet the pressure on Powell is like, "What do I have this job for?" Yeah, well, I mean, he uh, I, I think I was on since he made his uh, you know his uh, famous uh, pain speech, and uh, right now, you know, the the market is running with that. Um, you get one good inflation number. Or, it wasn't even that good, and the market ran with it. It, it proved uh, proved to be false hope, and now you know now you have a you know another number coming up, and uh, you know I believe it's on September thirteenth. We'll wait to see uh, you know what that indicates. Um, you know, crude oil. I mean, they're doing everything they can. I mean, I'm, if the next person that tells me they have a hundred and thirty dollar price tag on it, I think I'm going to punch them in the face. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just you know. I'm sick of hearing about it, and uh, here we're, you know, August was the worst month of the year uh, for crude, and uh, it's not off to a great start in September. Um, you hear about those supply cuts, Chief? I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I got I got some land in Florida with a nice view of uh, the water. If you are, if you believe those supply cuts, I think at eighty bucks, eighty six bucks a barrel. I don't care what they say in those meetings. They're going to be cranking it out. They're going to get as much oil out there as possible. And I think the prices are reflected that um, in the backwardation in the markets. When it flips to a contango, then you'll get me bullish crude. But I'm sick of hearing these analysts call for a buck forty, buck twenty five, buck thirty. Uh, when you know you still have your your uh, fight out months uh, trading at a discount to the front months. You know that, chief. Well, yeah. The well the I mean, politics aside, I mean, politics can clearly mess with the oil market for a while, but, God, Joe, you, you know, you and I, you, you go back 40 years and look at this stuff, the constant overproduction and underproduction, overproduction in that industry, it's it's an inelastic supply basically fighting against an elastic demand, and you constantly have too many wells, not enough wells. I mean, there's never a time when you have 600 wells. You either have 200 or 1,200, right? Yeah, I mean, I think also you, um, you know, the way I look at, I like to look at things from a historical perspective, um, and obviously, you know, during uh, COVID, uh, you know, back in March and April, you had, you know, prices. I don't even talk about negative twenty or negative forty. I talk more realistically about, you know, ten, fifteen dollar oil. Plenty of opportunity to get on there. Um, you've had plenty of opportunity to sell crude over a hundred dollars if you're so inclined. 
Um, so I look at the historical equilibrium of crude, and it's not a, it's certainly not $135, and it's certainly not, uh, you know, in the negative. I think your equilibrium with crude, when things are all said and done, is just going to, you know, the Citigroup analysts talked about 80 uh, by year end. That wouldn't be unrealistic to me. Um, we are, I mean, the shift towards, you know, the green and, uh, you know, the electric cars and solar, I mean, obviously that's not going as planned, uh, but there's definitely a migration and less dependence on oil, but it's going to take years and years and years to come to fruition. Well, what did the state of California who, I don't know, if, if, if you are, you're some guy with whatever they look like on the, on the, Fourth Moon of Alpha Centauri listening into the news here. Did, they, did these idiots make it? Did they even make it three weeks after they're, they're going to ban electric cars? Be saying you can't you can't charge your Tesla during the day because they don't have power. Was it even three weeks? <laughs> I mean, you could, if you yeah. were, if you wrote that in a book, you wouldn't sell a copy. You couldn't write fiction. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, agree. I just thought uh, real quick. I got to hop here in a minute, but uh, uh, I asked Maddie hearing about. It. Michigan uh, quarterback controversy, and uh, he said he had it. Now, I know he's busy with the little yipper and stuff. Uh, is that made its way into the um, into the Chicago media? The quarterback controversy for the Bears? Yes, not. I guess. I guess it's only. Uh, I guess it's only these uh, blowhards on at Detroit radio stations and are making a big deal out of it. Um, McNamara. Who, who led us to the uh, college football playoff off the speed Ohio State when the Big Ten championships um, is uh, being supplanted or supposedly being uh, supplanted by J.J. McCarthy. You haven't heard that name? No. There's only three, quarter, yeah, there's only three quarterbacks in the NFL faster than J.J. McCarthy. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and the other one is slipping my mind. Uh, but he's dynamic, and um, Cade got the nod for the first game. Oh, he was okay. a little rusty. We still had a lead. They bring in J.J. McCarthy. He lights it up. Everyone wants to play the sophomore. Har- you know, Cade's not happy, but you know what? Harbaugh is just, you know, and everyone's criticizing Harbaugh because he said Cade was the starter, and then in the middle, well, actually he said Cade was going to start the first game, J.J. the second game. I'm telling you, two quarterbacks is better than no quarterbacks, and the Harbaugh's dilemma is McNamara, in my opinion, which is not shared in the Detroit area, is going to be a better pro quarterback than J.J. You cannot run in the NFL. If you're a running quarterback, you're going to get your head ripped off. And I think <laughs> he's just preparing both of these guys for the league. So I'm sure you'll be hearing about it soon if uh, you're watching any of these uh, college football show, uh, shows. It's uh, it's just constant. So maybe I should move to Chicago. I, well, have, to, you, I have to hear about it. Well, maybe you got two quarterbacks. The Irish don't have any, but on that note, SP Futures up 20. Yeah. All right. Up so, we'll talk to you next yeah. week, Chief. Be right, we'll be right back. Kenny Polkari. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 
208-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Blowing up at Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, Brett Weber on the board. SP features up 18. NASDAQ features up 47. Kenny, how are you? Let's talk about the market being up real quick before it's down. Huh? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, let's talk about everything that happened over the weekend yesterday between uh, OPEC and the Russia and uh, the crisis that's now going to unfold is very interesting. But you know what that tells me is that basically tells me that the market's already discounted that. We've been talking about the potential for OPEC to cut production for weeks, right? So the market sold off ahead of that. We've been talking about Vladimir Putin so, uh, shutting down the pipeline when they suddenly announced they had to do unscheduled maintenance. They talked about that risk, that he was going to completely shut it down, uh, not reopen it. So a lot of that had been priced in, which is why I think you actually see uh, the market uh, uh, rallying this morning. And it's not rallying hard. And my guess is you know, it might rally just like a flash in the pan and then and then start to sell off again once they start to focus back on uh, the broader macro stuff, right? The macro data that's weakening in this country as well as earnings revisions that are sure to come uh, for Thursday earnings. So is there any truth to the rumor that you were uh, you bought a thousand of those puts Friday morning at fourteen cents and sold with three bucks? Truth to that rumor. Just saying it was it was it was it was swirling around all weekend as Kenny Polkari guy bought the bottom and sold the top on Friday. Yeah, his ear, his ear yeah. was to the Russians. They, they told him we're yeah. shutting it off. Yeah, thing is that yesterday during the day, watching some of the headlines, that you know, OPEC cut production surprise move. Surprise move. Where have you people been the last month? Oh yeah, yeah. When oil dropped from 115 to 85, and the Saudis came out and said, "Look, we're prepared to defend the price of oil." There was no surprise, and, and people say, "Okay, but it's only 100,000 barrels a day." You're right. It's relatively insignificant, but it is significant in the sense that the South is playing drunk on the saying, look, we're ready to cut even more if this 
price, the price doesn't if the price continues to fall. Well, I mean, it, it, as, as the uh, rig count continues to go up, we're starting to d- produce more here. I think around the rest yeah. of the world, people have adjusted. I mean, it takes a while to adjust your your stuff, and there's there's everybody keeps looking at OPEC, which obviously is, is important. But there's what there's twenty twenty one countries that, that export oil. Uh, right. You know, so it's it's a big world market, and it's it's an inel- inelastic, and the prices swing more than they should. But they've been doing that since you and I were kids, Kenny. It's not like it's a right. No, no, there's no doubt. But they certainly at this point they've replaced us. Remember, we used to be the swing producer only a couple of years ago. We are no longer the swing producer, and they're the swing. Well, yeah, and I. I mean, I don't know what's happening to uh, <clears throat> you know northern Alaska or the North Sea. I mean, those things are. They're, they're, what are they, 20%? No, they're more than that. They're 60% of what they used to be? Maybe. Yeah, I think that's the thing. What, uh, so what do you, what do you think of this guy from BBBY? That's pretty awful. Oh, the guy who killed himself. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it's interesting. It's interesting because, you know, the, the headline here was just, uh, you know, he fell off his balcony 18 stories up. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but, it, it, you know, there's got to be, for this guy to jump, there's got to be much more to the story because, you know, if, if they were manipulating prices or if they were, you know, in fact, leaking incorrect information in order to manipulate prices, I, I can only imagine there's got to be a deeper story. You're not going to just, I don't think you're going to jump just because someone accuses you. I uh, know. Of course, yeah. you know. Yeah, you, you really... Uh, they, dragged Ryan, they dragged Ryan Cohen into it, too, uh, in terms of taking part in the manipulation. So if that's true, he's got something to worry about as well. I, um, I mean, you have to wonder with that guy. I mean, you know more. Some maybe one of these weeks you can walk us through. I really don't know how this whole meme stuff gets started, Kenny. With the somebody piling it to Reddit or someplace, and they find yeah. somebody caught short, and all of a sudden somebody starts buying. It gets yeah. the momentum. We've seen a momentum market in a lot of these things. Everybody starts buying because you're going to screw somebody else. And clearly, as long as the as you're not the last guy to the top of the hill. You do fine, but if you are, you don't do so hot, right? And uh, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I think it, it, it comes a frenzy, just like any other frenzy that we've seen happen before. The, the, the chatter starts in these uh, online trading rooms, which are fine, but that's where it starts. You know, Wall Street bets and Reddit being right at the top of that list, and uh, and, and yeah, if you're the last guy in, it's a problem. I mean, look at the guy that paid four hundred seventy dollars in game. Up when we're all sitting going, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. The thing was paying us $5 a week and a half ago. Well, the, you, you do yeah. wonder, the guy, uh, Cohen, I mean, he 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 appears, I mean, the, the, the story is that he was, I mean, the story he wants to tell is he's just, even though he's got a bazillion shares, he's just a, he's just a fly on the wall and sees all this Correct. happen. And all of a sudden, one day says, okay, I'm going to fill out the piece of paper in perfect order to the SEC. And I'm going to sell my stuff the next day at 1950. I guess I could have sold today at 23, but I had to let people know I was selling it. So you know, he's out. He's out at 19. And I've got the stock at 725 this morning. Um, so, right. you know, it sounds like he's, you know, he's purer than Pharaoh's wife. Uh, but but yet, I'm from the south side. I'm going. Wait a minute. <laughs> he, he's 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 nothing but a fly on the wall and just happens to see this and says thank you very much. I I don't know, Kenny. I I, I got to look at something. I don't know. Maybe it's. <laughs> Right, but you have to look at what happened leading up to the rapid increase in the price of Best Buy, right? When they were taking it up on, you know, the mean stock traders and the Reddit, yeah. they were taking it up. But what was 
what was the news? What was causing it? Was it just the fact that Ryan Cohen was involved? Was it just the fact that he owned a big stake? These guys all jumped in because it was Ryan Cohen. And if that's the case and he did nothing to manipulate or they didn't, you know, him and the guy who, who killed himself did nothing to manipulate the price or leak information that would have helped manipulate the price, then I guess no one's got anything to worry about. But this guy obviously jumped, so he thought he must have had something to worry about. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at, there's kind of a common thread through all these crummy headlines. You know, why China's central bank is shoring up the, the one. Now, all these governments are in into their eyeballs, Kenny. I mean, you can't, when you look at the market, and you and I, you know, have our, our discussions, and we fly back and forth with each other a little bit, uh, you can't ever, I mean, in my, in my opinion, when you look at the market, and it's down, and it's in the market, and, and all the things that you look at, which, by the way, uh, I certainly love to hear. You, you you can't. I don't. I don't think you should. You can't is the wrong word. You should not never forget that before COVID, the government poured forty percent more money in the economy, and the market went up forty percent. The idea right. that guys like you and me were just geniuses, and all these companies are making so much more money, and we were so smart, we saw that. And you know, what, what was the old saying? Never 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 confuse brains with a bull market. Um, right. I mean. If if the Fed decides to pull half of this money out, which I don't see them doing, if they did, why wouldn't you think the market's going to drop by half of what it went up? I mean, well, they're, they're the ones that pumped it up. Your, your point, I don't think anyone really believes it, although, you know, they reiterated the fact that starting this month they're going to start taking $90 billion out, which I think is interesting because they didn't even take the $45 billion that they were taking in July and August. They didn't do that. Um, and now suddenly... They're just going to, just like that, they're going to start taking 90 billion out, which 90 billion I know is like a pitfall on your backside, but that's not the point. Again, it's are they going to do it or not? And then what message does that send? I don't think, I don't think they're going to do it. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't really told the truth for how many years? Right. They're not going to do it. And I, that's where the market, that, that's where the just right? Because the market also believes they're not going to do it. So, you know, we've got, Eight different Fed heads that are speaking this week, starting tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. JJ Powell's on Thursday, I'll buy stuff. Tomorrow, there's four, there's four people speaking, Mark and then uh, Mester, a couple of others. And on Friday, you've got George and Evan, you know, a couple of others. So there's going to be a lot to listen to. And so the speculation now is, you know, they prepared us for 75 days for increase at the end of the month. They've all gotten very pocket. They've all gotten very aggressive. And now suddenly it was, no, 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 they're not going to do it. And so you're going to hear that this week. If, if you've got eight of these people who've all become very hawkish, suddenly start to, you know, uh, uh, suddenly start to waver. That's them kind of getting the market ready for maybe they're going to go 50. They want to let the paparazzi know. They don't, they want it to marinate for a couple of weeks before they just go and do it. So it's going to be interesting this week to listen to how all of these feds that had speak. Kenny, I just think of the, and my conspiratorial brain, which I'm, I don't know, I hope I don't really get there, that conspiratorial, but maybe I'm there, I don't know. Under, under no circumstances, even if it's if it's good finance, that these guys want the market down another 10% before the election. They, they, they just can't. Oh, I agree. They don't want it. That's right. They don't want it down, which is your point, why the Fed, and, and, and I agree with you, why the Fed is not going to take not going to do quantitative tightening and raise interest rates right now. They're going to do one or the other. But they're, they're, they're not mutually exclusive, though. They're going to try and do one or the other. I mean, because you... Well, 
could always agree, do but they yeah. got to. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to get away with doing nothing at the end of September to race, right? They're going to go either go fifty or seventy-five. I still think seventy-five. I think it has to be seventy-five. I don't think there's one iota of information that's changed that argument. I, uh, Kenny, just real quick, we're out, we'll talk about this more next. We only got a minute or so. Hey, uh, there's this general view of a Fed for two years telling you there's no inflation when every third grader knew there was. Does anybody really count on them to fight it effectively? And then you look at some of the stuff here in, you know, in Illinois. You see this constant. Uh, everybody's going to get tough on crime, and yet every weekend there's you know just as many shootings. And in California, what what an embarrassment to, to ban gasoline cars. And two weeks later, saying you can't charge your Tesla up. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just people's general view of our of, of our of the people we elect and stuff. What is what is wrong with us? I mean, any, does anybody have any confidence in any of these people? No, I, I can't. Because also, it is I think the conversation is dragged to both ends of the spectrum. Got the far left and the far right driving the conversation, and no one's saying it. The majority of the country is in the middle. Nobody's paying attention, and so I think that's what's frustrating. That's what's creating all this, you know, uh, this divisive behavior, the name calling, back and forth. Who's a communist? Who's a fascist? I mean, it's bullshit, right? Well, it's all so floating. Well, I can see you're a, you're a fan of Tricky Dick, the Silent Majority. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am fiscally right, both a little bit left. I'm not on either end of the spectrum. You know what you are, Kenny? With that, with that. That's exactly where I am. We're, we're adrift. Yeah. We're adrift is where we are. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We are. No one's paying attention to us, and no. we represent the majority. That's what's interesting. I think we do. Kenny, take care of yourself. SP viewers up 27, yeah. SP viewers up 82. Right back, Professor Helsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. 
To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now! Right now, right now. <clears throat> There's something happening here. Lone Rope Based Action Jacks. I'm Tom the board. SP Futures up 26. NZ Futures up 79. Do we have the professor? I'm here. I hear, I hear rumors that you. Have you added a fourth university in, like, Zimbabwe or someplace? You're teaching a class there as well. <laughs> no, I'm just sitting back. Now, today's my first day. i got to go and get my ID. And I haven't been on campus yet. This uh, COVID interview process is interesting. <laughs> You're still worried about COVID? Well, you know, uh, everything kind of went online. So, um, you know, my interviews were online. I didn't fly in. I haven't been on campus yet. And my first day on the job will be, the first day on campus will be my first day seeing the campus. So it's really kind of strange. Uh, yeah. I don't, uh... Like, before the, pan- before the pandemic, you know, you, you would interview, they call you on the phone, have an interview, and then they'd fly you to campus if you were the, you know, the top three candidates, right, that they were hoping to get. And then you'd walk around the campus, you'd have interviews with four or five different people, you'd give a presentation, and then you'd meet with people, and um, you'd meet with the provost, the president, perhaps, and all that was in person. Now, it's weird, um, I haven't been on campus yet, <laughs> and today's my first day, so it's really weird. Do you have a, you have a map or something to help you out you know, when you get there? Well, I have my Google map. Uh, i got to go down to Washington Street. Uh, in Manhattan, so I'm going to ride the the Q and then get off of DeKalb Avenue and jump on the R. And uh, barring any delay, I'll be there about uh, noon. So, oh god, <laughs> um, just <laughs> do, do people in academia have any idea? I mean, the rest of the world has been over this kind of for a while. If you get any other business, you're just running it. You know, you know. Are, are you? Are, are well, you? My brother-in-law. My brother-in-law says you have to wear a mask on the MTA subway system. And he says only 20% comply with that rule. Yeah. So I think even New Yorkers have gone past it, right? Well, I mean, if the idea, I mean, who would have thought they even worked? I mean, whatever. But I, uh, Yeah, well, they, the, CDC, the CDC says it stops droplets. The mask stops droplets. The problem with that is when the droplet evaporates, what happens to all those virons? In the droplets, the virons are really, really small. They're they're one uh, fiftieth the size of the the average core of an N95. So when those droplets evaporate, the virons are flowing in and out of your mask. Yeah, it's so in that in that regard, they're pointless. I just uh, so are are you a big enough shot now? Where if if you test positive, we'll hear about it on national news. Helsner test positive, minor minor. Uh, 
symptoms. By the way, he was fully vaccinated and boosted 48 times, and he's he's <laughs> he's thankful for all the shots, or else he'd have it worse. Is that is that going to be well, your... Well, it'll, it'll make the news in my household. <laughs> so how, how big do you got to be? I, I want to be big enough where if I get it, which I don't think I will, I already had it way on, but... If I got it again, I just I want the whole world to know about it. Say, so, you know, Chief got COVID. Who cares whether I have it or not? Well, yeah, but, you know, if you're an advocate for these uh, vaccines, which they're not, vaccines stop the spread and stop disease, and these are just like flu shots. Flu shots don't stop spread. They don't stop disease. They don't stop symptoms, right? So, uh, yeah. Um, one, they're not vaccines. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Tom. It's just... Uh, it's well, a you know, crazy if you world, man. if you go online now, I challenge you because when Eliani was here, she was a challenging lady. Uh, she challenged me to find a definition of vaccine that does not include a flu shot, and I could not find one online. And so one of <laughs> one of my wacky buddies, um, which I have many, um, and I, I'm sure that I belong right in with that group. I tell you this, Betty, that I. I talked to our buddy, I won't say nameless, my buddy nicknamed Skippy. He says, the next time you go to a, an old book sale, pick yourself out a Webster's from about 30 years ago and put it in your bottom drawer. Because you're going to be the only guy that's going to be able to tell people because they're going to scrub the rest of the definitions out to what the current definition oh, yeah. is. And I'm like, you know, I, n- I never even thought of that as conspiratorial as I am, and he's absolutely right. <laughs> he's absolutely right, Al. Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, to, I'll go to the bookstore where... Uh, Dan Aykroyd's character in Ghostbusters um, yeah. ran that occult bookstore, and I'll pick one of those up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Manny, do we need an, an occult dictionary? That <laughs> we, we, it, it'd work well in this office. Hey, you sent me this thing uh, earlier on. We were t- we were uh, we were talking about uh, I you know I was on the south side most of the weekend, and just the people you talked to there, and you know we went to a couple places, and and uh, I I think. From my my point of view, how the uh, economy is is absolutely falling apart in some of these areas. Uh, in terms of, you see this uh, people's savings number go down a hundred hours a week. The average family savings. You see this credit card number go up every week. I and I was I told well, Manny was listening earlier. Obviously, he's here. Then one of the guys in the building here needs a new transmission in his uh, his, his Chevy. What are those things, Maddie? They're uh, they're not a truck. They're uh, uh, the minivan kind of thing. They're they're like the the, the latest adaptation. Well, not the latest, the 2002 of the Chrysler minivan. You can haul stuff in it and you can put your other seats in it, right? Anyway, whatever. And it, he needs a new trans. And the guys are telling him twenty three, twenty four hundred bucks. So I call one of my guys, uh, no, which isn't the cheapest, just to get a, a, a view. He goes, yeah, that'll be like twenty three fifty, and I go. That seems a little rich. <laughs> if you guys could, if you guys can redo it like in a day, and uh, and he goes, uh, well, last year it would have been eighteen hundred. I, I, I guarantee you, Al, this guy cannot write a check for twenty three fifty for a transmission. Yeah, I mean it's just, I mean, we're not. I mean, what what is the, I, uh, let's just say Audrey uh, is is terrific at staging houses for sale. And she has a knack for it. I mean, and she's a whatever. But there's such a thing as a degreed stager. What do you call it, Maddie? Licensed stager? I wouldn't say a degreed stager, but um, so she, this house wasn't sold. Doctor of stageology? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, but she, there's this house that wasn't shown very well. It's a beautiful place. Big, gorgeous swimming pool. A huge basketball court outside with the rubber. I mean, really, been a nice place. Wow. And uh, 
But in one end of it, um, the hallway was kind of narrow, and the, the light fixtures were bleh. So Audrey says, you know what the problem with this thing is? Is this just showing too small? It needs to be repainted. Now, and there's a, there's a painting contractor out there, and evidently the guy does a great job. He's got, shows up with like six people, two of them ladies. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, three, six guys or anything. They show up very early, they work late, and uh, they're, they're finished in a day, right? And, they, and, and everything's clean. You know, it's not, you're going to want to clean it afterward yourself, but it's pretty much clean. They do everything's, everything's covered. They move the furniture, all that, all that stuff. 10000 bucks for the day. Now, now, I'm going to say, even if he pays everybody a G a day, which is pretty darn good for for painting, I think, Um, and 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 it's another, you know, it's got to be $250 for the paint, you know, so the the dude's making, uh, it's got to be, say it's another $1,000 for the paint, the guy's making $3,000 in a day, paying people a G. And I bet he does, because she goes, the people love working for the guy. Even if you work four days a week, for God's sake, Al, it, it, that's real dough. And I, my, my guy's here to do private work for people. Um, he tells me, and he knows all these guys in, in the, you know, in the, the trades. You know, mostly Hispanic, but not all. And uh, the, the, the rumor is your regular customers that you've been doing work for for a year, you never screw. The new people, you just charge them double, and they pay because they can't find anybody else. And this is on the yeah. this is on the lower end, uh, you know. We're not we're not talking about the, the you know the licensed and bonded kind of places. I mean, it it, it is outstanding. I've had people tell me that one guy had uh, one of the, one of the big firms that op, that uh, windows and doors. I don't know, I'm not going to name them. But there's like two or three of them that advertise a lot. The guy comes to put a wants to put a metal door from his the top of his house onto the uh, deck. Guess how much for a new metal door? I wanted five grand. Wow. I was thinking four. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, and I, I had one of those for my garage, and I, I had it all spec'd out. I almost got a new one, but then we fixed the old one. At one of the be- places that customize them for you, they wanted five hundred for the door, and you, you just go put it in the old. You just, and my guy wanted five hundred to put it in. It's a big difference between one G and a custom one, and and four and a half G. I mean, that's for God's sake. We're, we're, they must think everybody. Because they're getting it from some people, they obviously think everybody's got it. And well, there's a big difference between what somebody at the top end can afford right now and what somebody in the middle. You're not going to get somebody in the middle class right now writing you out a check for four grand for a door. I mean, for guy, where's he yeah, going to get? Hang on to the old door. Yeah, they're, they're, where's he going to get it? I mean, we're. I mean, I, I I don't know where the end of this is, Hal, but it's not good right now. I don't see. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, come across the United States. Uh, you know, gas prices in Idaho Falls. It was really interesting to see it, but in Idaho Falls, there were some places where it was still four sixty, four seventy a gallon. But you go over to the Costco, and for some reason, it was four oh four in a not a very big town. And then, well, I mean, the gas prices weren't too bad, but man, uh, they shot up in Pennsylvania. What I find interesting is I've never seen gas prices in New York City lower. In Utah, it, it always seemed like gas prices were fifty cents or a dollar more in New York than in Utah, and that's just the opposite right now. It, it, it's really quite odd. So I'm thinking maybe gas prices got to the point where they're so high 
that people are choosing not to drive or demand is suppressed by it, and they're because they have choices. They they can go on the subway, they can go on the on the bus system, or they can just walk. So I think demand is pretty suppressed in New York relative where it might have been uh, a couple years ago. So it's really fascinating to drive across the country at this point. And I'm just glad I got my motorhome to Virginia last summer because it would have been real expensive to drive that across country. I can see you shifting to the neutral going downhill. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an automatic, so I don't know if that would work. I don't know if it helps that much. But here, but here this brings, brings up another question. I mean, and Maddie hears me say every day, uh, uh, probably ad nauseum, our Bob, which for those that don't know, it's the it's the price of uh, unleaded gas in New York Harbor, correct? Isn't that the uh, that's that's where the delivery point is for our Bob? Are you with us, bud? Yeah, is that me? Oh, I thought you were talking to somebody else. No, oh, you're, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, it's it's the it's the wholesale price of gas in New York Harbor. Okay, that's that's the yeah, delivery okay. point. Well, it's down to two forty six. Wow. Generally, and I, you know, I, I, I mean, where, where's Greg when we need him? But generally, the price of gas at the pump is somewhere to eighty to ninety cents higher than that. Let's say a buck. That's the spread. And now we're we're talking. It's 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 pushing almost two dollars. So something somewhere in the system, these guys are now. Some of it is the. The absurd sub- summer blend in, in, in Illinois, because you run into that kind of crap where there's only three refineries that make the summer blend. Now, does that, Maddie, does that end September 30th or, or August 31st? I'm not sure, but the uh, so that that's part of it. But still, the the op- I'll use the term the, the markup is dramatically high here. I mean, if, you know, I mean, if you were to say to, en- to anybody five years ago, our Bob's 245, where should gas be? They're going to say. 350 tops, and yet I don't see anywhere around here it's 350. I mean, you can you can get. Uh, well, in uh, I think in New York it's probably about uh, from what I saw on. Uh, yeah, we went to the grocery store. We went to the Shoprite um, at the Gateway Mall out there in in Brooklyn, and it was probably about three. 6370 at most most gas stations in New York that we that I saw. Well, here it's still if you if you really search. You can get four twelve, and if in the city, it's still five, right, Matty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's not the way it is in New York. It might be that way in Manhattan, but out, out in Brooklyn, out in the boroughs, I think it's about three seventy. Whenever I've whenever I've, I've driven in New York, as soon as you get out out of the tunnel, on, on one side or the other, uh, there's always a station, and I've I've always found them to be very competitive nationwide. I mean, they've never been like California. oh, you mean over there in Jersey. Well, yeah, either, either side. There's always like yeah. two stations on either side of the of the tunnel or the bridge, and they were they're always competitive. I thought. Yeah, Manhattan, Manhattan prices tend to be probably fifty cents or more higher than say in New Jersey or or uh, Brooklyn. I think. Yeah. The guys who really get screwed, you want to have a gas station right next to a uh, place where you put in boats, like in Lake Michigan, because everybody's filling up the gas station. If you if you fill up, I was in uh, Audrey had a party for one of her. Old, old uh, drum corps pals last week, and one of the guys there had a, has a pontoon boat in, in uh, or he did have. Now he just rents one up in Wisconsin. It's over six bucks to get it on the water. That there's the there's the deal you want. Um, 
I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I don't know where this ends. I don't. Uh, you know, you, you look at home prices, whether it's the twenty twenty city Case Shiller or the National. Finally, that thing is kind of the acceleration in that that those indices like Case and Shiller have slowed. So I think the Fed is about ready to pop those those bubbles, and they might barely pop because I think those data series at the Fed's website are back in June, so they might have popped already. Uh, but yeah, they're they're just straight up. I mean, they make the housing bubble of two thousand six and seven look like nothing. Well, you, if you if you want. If you were on national TV and you said that, you'd get the hook. I know, probably, yeah. What, I would, uh, yeah. I'd, be flown to, I'd be flown to Gitmo for a nice vacation, right? Yeah. I, want, uh, <laughs> I have a question. Why? Blackhawk helicopters. I, I know you're, you are you know, a full professor at like 15 different universities now. Um, and I've, you know, I've been known to read a book without pictures. Why is it that, that very few people seem to get a grip on the fact there's there's a difference between inflation and price level. Well, I think what it is is a lot of the people that get hired at investment banks or get hired at CNBC or Fox Business Network or the ones at the, the, the prestigious universities. I think they're all trained the same way. And the thing I the thing that I think benefits me is that I never got an econ degree. I, I, I took like two classes as an undergrad in economics, and then I got a math degree, uh, and I went and got my PhD in economics after I took mathematical economics in a master's program in mathematics. So I never was baptized in the faith, and so after I graduated, you know, I used to joke to people that uh, people who didn't like mathematical economics could do math, but man, I look back at myself. You know, 20, 30 years ago, and I want to slap myself for saying that. Uh, but yeah, I started teaching macro principles using mainstream uh, theories. And about three years into it, I just started questioning it left and right. I've never been one to go along with a crowd. Uh, even in high school or grade school, it's always kind of like beating my own drum. And so I didn't, I didn't get bathed in that, that orthodoxy. And I started drifting away from it. Uh, probably 2008, 2009. And I think I was completely divorced of that whole, I, I call it an ideology. It seriously is. And it got so many things wrong in 2007 and eight. I used to joke in my macro class at Westminster College that macro is in the basement. We, we're teaching in the basement because macro is literally in the basement. Why? Uh, so I, I just think these guys have gotten a training. It's just group thing. They don't think in real terms. They think in nominal terms. And well, two questions. They, they think that the, the Fed, they, I think they believe the Fed is like some market institution that's not. Uh, well, clearly not. I mean, uh, yeah. just out of curiosity, what 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 group think you, you, that was wrong? And I'll give, well, I can, after you talk, I'll give you a clue where I think was, was wrong in 7 and 8. But um, after the break, we have more time. How is it that the that the monetarist school of which I am a graduate? How is it that that is so debased right now? When to me, I, <laughs> to me, it's it's as obvious as the fingers on your hand. For God's sake, I mean, what, I I become more of a believer over time with all the examples. And why is everybody else going the other way? But let's save that for after the break. Where, where do you think the the conventional wisdom screwed up in in seven and eight? Well, I think it's 
Well, I, 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 you know, I think they, I think they get so wedded to their research and a lot of the research at these large research institutions are funded by the state. And so they become, if you will, priests of the state. The state, I think, for a lot of people, has become a religion. And so in order to keep that money flowing in, because their jobs are tied to it, their tenure is tied to it, they have to have this grant money flowing in from the state, from the federal government. Yeah, They get so wedded to it, they can't, they can't believe it, right? They got 20 years invested in this interventionalism of fiscal policy and monetary policy that they can't divorce themselves from it. Even when it's hitting them in the face, they have, they're, they're going to go down with the shit, right? Because they have so much invested in it, right? Their whole career is wrapped up, up in it, right? They're researching. So they have, they have to kind of find a way to defend it, I think. And that's one thing I can think of. Right. I've never gotten grant money. I've never sought out federal grant money. Well, I did I, I did uh, seek a grant because I had to at ANC, ANC State University in Greensboro. I had to do it for uh, promotion to full, but I didn't think I was going to get it, and I didn't get it because the research questions I was asking, the federal government was not interested in oh, right. Yeah. Oh, and the answer to it. Well, I mean, I think if you do any... I guess I'll push back a little bit here. Even if you do the policy, I think like you and I would want, you're you're intervening. You're intervening to a point. You're just you're just not intervening to a. In other words, I would I would like to see them uh, grow the money supply, if which is very difficult, by the way, to control. I mean, so it's it's yeah. not like it's a not like it's a it's a nothing job. Um, it's a real job. Uh, but I would like them to see a money supply growth of a roughly one percent higher. Half of one percent to one percent higher of real growth, to where you keep, you know, you don't have these run up, run ups and run downs and prices like we always have because because it, it's uneven and it hurts people. I think it should be even. Yeah. Been somebody if, if the Fed is going to persist, if we're going to keep the Fed around, which I think there's no way it's going away. So, in a pragmatic sense, I think you're right. The the, the least worst thing to do is grow maybe M two since they they got rid of M one essentially. Yeah. Grow M2 at a slightly higher percentage, like you're saying, maybe half a percent more than, I would, I would say the population, because the GDP number kind of goes up and down. It's too volatile. I, I would probably stick with uh, the population growth rate. Well, if you're, and just, but if you, if you level out the price level, the GDP number should be a lot better. Yeah, yeah, because the Fed does create the business cycle. Right. So I, I think you have to have a, a stable basis for it, and I think if you if you grow it at roughly the the population growth rate, I think that's probably the least worst thing to do. And you and you, all you, all you do is you look for monetary stability instead of price stability. See, inflation price prices going up and down is a symptom of the expansion of the money supply. Well, sure, it's it is. not the cause. Sure, it is. So, I think what you have to do is instead of pegging. The, instead of targeting a symptom, you target the cancer, and the cancer is excessive monetary growth. Well, but so I think the best uh, thing to do. I'm not as far out on the I'm not as far out on the tree as you are on that one because yeah. our system here allows the creation of money fairly dramatically, and, and so whenever 
let's put it this way. There's a difference between, as you, I mean, you know way better than me, there's between kind of real growth and all of a sudden the spike growth, right? I mean, if you, if you look at, uh, well, you can use the, the, the you know, the, uh, the banking example. If you pull out 50 grand from underneath the mattress, which I'm, which is probably buried in the, in the, in the motorhome now, uh, if you, if you shove that in the bank, and I'm going to go back a way, say, say your, your reserve requirement's 20%, somebody can now lend that $40,000 out to Matt Weber, who puts it in checking account. We just created 40000 bucks, right? Well, now there's no reserve requirement. Well, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Now it's right. even worse. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going back yeah. to, a, to a more sensible yeah. time. Uh, but still, you created 40000 bucks, And then if they lend that thirty-two out to me, and I put the thirty-two back in, we just created another thirty-two. So, yeah. because the, so the economy can, and actually... Hal, I don't know if anybody's done a study about this, but the stock market pretty much acts the same way, right? I mean, if you, if you put down hundred grand to buy IBM at 200 which it's nowhere near, by the way, but if it was, uh, and all of a sudden IBM went to 300 you can now borrow another fifty grand and buy something else. So, you, so, yeah. so, so a, a rising stock market also can create money, correct? So if the, if the Fed actually was doing its job, when that happens, they have to, to in order to say, look, we're not going to let the whole damn world inflate just because the market's going up. You actually have to retard money out of the system, correct? Because it's not growing as well, fast. I think, I think if, if the Fed just focuses on, if we're going to keep the Fed, if the Fed just focuses on growing M2 at a nice, stable pace, I, I don't think you're going to get these malinvestments as bad. I, I would I agree. I don't think you're going to get as bad as malinvestments. I, or, I would agree. This overconsumption. I don't think you're. Gonna, I don't think it's going to be as bad. Your swings right? won't. Your swings won't be as bad, but they'll. But they'll still be there. There'll be some. There's. There's. But, a, there's but, business cycle but, swings. But the Fed target the labor market unemployment rate, which is the worst labor market oh, yeah. metric you can use, or this price inflation. That is just about as bad as it can get. I I, I'm with you. What I'm saying is, right. if, if if the Fed, I guess my my message here, and I'm screwing it up. My message here is. Even if the Fed did what we want them to do and go with the with the even pace, a lot of the times they're going to be retarding and pushing. I'm saying it's not yeah. an easy job. Is all, is all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying even that would be a well, challenge. Well, I think the New York Fed got pretty good at keeping the uh, federal funds rate at its target. It, it was pretty good at doing. I mean, if you think. Yeah. It's, a valuable uh, effort by the Fed to keep the federal funds rate near the target that it wanted to set when it was more kind of a market system back in the early 2000s. It was pretty good at keeping, buying and selling treasuries to keep that uh, interbank rate really close to the target rate. So I, I think they, they might be able to do it with today's technology. I think it would be very difficult to do that say, 40 years ago. You got data coming in at all times, and, and it's. And I think it'd be more. I think it'd be easier to implement today. Well, there's people. Then it would be. Well, we got we got to dash the break here, but there's people that, that bitch about them during the recession. How do they put this money back in? They didn't. They didn't have the inventory to do that. I don't think. SP futures up twenty two. Nasdaq futures up fifty nine. Be back, Mr. Hellstar. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome to Base Action Jacks. Tom Howell here, Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down up 22, 23. Uh, NASDAQ Futures up 58. That's good, except we were up more. Let's hope we don't turn around like we did Friday and really bury the thing. Dow Futures up 215. Everybody in the Dow is, well, having said that, I got Procter & Gamble down uh, 16 cents. Everybody else is up. I got uh, Salesforce up a buck. We've got, uh, well, everybody. JP Morgan up 89 cents. It's a sea of green. Caterpillar up 173, pulling up 146. So, it's relentless to the upside, except for Procter and Gamble, and it's only 16 cents. Don't worry about that. Over in Europe, we've got we could use an update. Over in Europe, we've got the Dax up 112.9 percent, FTSE up 17.2 percent, CAC around up 18.3 percent. So up and not huge. Nikkei up six. Call that flat. Shanghai up 43.1.4 percent. Hang Seng down 23 to 19,202. A fair piece under this 20,000 number there. Friday again, we had a huge turnaround when the Whenever we talked about the uh, pipeline getting shut off to Europe, we were up, and then we were like really down. Uh, Dow, Dow was down 337, S&P down 42. That's a, that's a close, pretty much on its low. Nasdaq down 154. That's 1.3%. So that's a lot. Vance today up 832, uh, eight basis points, 3.27. Maybe do you think it's taking me long enough to uh, shed this 30 seconds where they used to trade when I was on the floor to, to basis points? Uh, matter of fact, I still can't do it. Bun. Unchanged at 1.57. Uh, Japan up one basis point, 0.24. Oil 
Uh, well, we were down early, but now we're up two cents. 86.89. Brent, Brent down 261. It's a huge spread there. Wow, change. 93.13. So the spread is down to uh, less than seven dollars. Natural gas down 28 cents. 8.50. Again from mid nines last week. Very, very volatile. That continues. Our bob unchanged at 246. Uh, gold. We've got up a buck 50. 17.24. Not much there. Silver up almost two percent. Up 33 cents. 18.21. Copper up four cents, three forty-five. We've got Bitcoin up a buck sixty-four now, one hundred and sixty-four. The nineteen thousand eight ninety-nine, trying to get back to that twenty thousand-dollar number, which again a lot of people think is key. Uh, Euro dollar is a point nine nine, so it's um, less than a dollar, less less of a dollar, less than a dollar compared to our dollar. We've got the pound one point one five. Pound is actually up a little bit today with their new lady prime minister. Many what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we are seeing some high traffic volumes this morning, but no accidents to report. Uh, looks like a lot of people are heading uh, back into school, back into the office, because there's, there's a lot of traffic on the Edens and Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. Southside Expressways are starting to jam up as well, so give yourself plenty of time if you're heading out there. But no accidents to report on any of those expressways. Only crash in the area is in the northwest suburbs, Route 53 on the northbound side just before Lake Cook Road, there is a crash. Weather today, partly cloudy skies, a high of 75. Right now it is overcast and 71 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine and hot today. Uh, 110 is your high down in Phoenix. Right now it's clear and 89. In sports, White Sox are hanging in there in the AL Central, two games back in the division after beating the Mariners last night, three to two. Cubs were off. They'll host the Reds tonight at Wrigley. Uh, that's a 6:40 Chicago time first pitch. Diamondbacks shut out the Padres five nothing. Chief, you think the Cubs versus Reds is somewhat of a forgettable series? I would say yes. Um, I don't think there'll be a lot of people there tonight. So what do the uh, Sox have? Six left with the. With the oh, I was going to say the Tribe. Uh, what are they now? The Guardians. The Guardians. Uh, is it six? I'm not sure. I know they have a, a handful left with them and the Twins. I think they have two series and the makeup game. Might even be seven. I could be wrong there. It's a lot. I thought anyway, but I don't know. Maybe let's just see if we can check that. I don't want to. I'm pulling it up lob, right now. I don't want to lob that one out there and be totally screwed up on it. But I think they they play them. Uh, hey, Al, what? Um, I guess my well, we got a bunch of questions to you, but looks I, like they have four left with Cleveland. One is the makeup, and then okay. uh, it's at Cleveland on the 15th, and then three at home versus Cleveland, 20th, 21st, 22nd. They have six left with the Twins. Three there. Even after just playing them? And three here, yep. Six more. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, they were in Seattle at Oakland. That's the, their last West Coast trip. Then uh, Colorado at home. Then they go to Cleveland, Detroit. Then back home for Cleveland. Back home for Detroit. Then at Minnesota. At San Diego, which is kind of weird. And then back home to close out with three against the Twins. Um, both of you, the both of you dudes, uh, do you think next year when you're going to play – just a home series against someone in the other league, and then the next year on away. Do you think that we're gonna, you're going to end up having to play? Uh, um, you have to give up home games to make up. I don't see how, if you have any kind of rain or whatever, any part of the year, that you're going to be able to get those games in with people when we're only here once. I mean, do you have a, an opinion on that? I mean, that's the big fear with all this. First of all, Matty, what, what's the well, deal like, next year yeah. on the schedule? Explain what the schedule is going to be next year for everybody before. Before I go into questions, I, I don't. I don't know. I have no. I idea. think you're going to play everybody in baseball next year. Do you already? They. I think they already do that. No, I mean, no, the same don't. year. Same yeah. year. 
So you're saying they're going to play everyone even interleague? Yeah, and, but, but so like the the Cubs are going to have an away series against Seattle. Then next year they'll have a home series against Seattle. Okay, so. Yeah. so you're not so this year, I mean, it, there's always ways. This year, they they went to Baltimore once. One of the games got rained out. It was like, well, we don't go to Baltimore again. Well, they they go to they went to Washington again. So then they they found an off day around that Washington series, and it actually worked out pretty well. So they'll they'll find a way, I think. Well, I mean, I was uh, Steve Stone or somebody who was uh, or was Pat Hughes saying, if you have any kind of problems in April, May, you're you're stuck without an off day the rest of the year. Yep, that's that's the problem. And I don't even know is that. Is it net against the union counter? Don't you have to vote every time you miss an off day? If it's over 10 days or something? Or something like that. I mean, wh- I think they'll just go back to playing more double headers. Well, you unless and le- less using up off days and more double headers. Well, n- all right, next question. See, now see, you lead me down these roads. Is there a chance that you could play a makeup game against Seattle in the afternoon and then you regularly scheduled names with the game with the Cardinals that night? Now, that I've never seen before. That would be interesting. I think you might have to go there. Yeah, that would be interesting. But you can only do that with a few cities, I mean, that are really close together, I would think. Like, I could see them doing that, like, Oakland and San Francisco or Anaheim and L.A. or L.A. San Diego or Chicago, Milwaukee, but you're not doing that, like, New York to Cleveland, I don't think. Well, if if you're in Chicago and you get rained out against the Sox and and, uh, you might end up having a play, you're here to play the Cubs... You might end up playing the Cubs at night and the Sox in the daytime just to get that game in. Yeah, I could see that. That would be—I've never seen that before, but that could be interesting. Get out of this locker room. The other guys are coming in. That's what you end up doing, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, I guess the the issue that I that I my biggest issue with seven and eight and the Fed's basically horse bleep performance is you know I come at it totally different, just like you. You come at this from the math side. I wish I did that, but I come at this from the from the trading side, and I said, my, I remember my, me thinking in 2000, long before I knew what the hell was happening, I see this massive demand for these, these mortgage pl- things at like 6.5%. Now, as, as a trader, I mean, you're, you're going to look at, at uh, you know, Matty Weber's new tie, and I'm going to say, I'll give you 50 for it, but if somebody offers me 75, it's there. <laughs> it's theirs, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's a price I don't care. There's a price I'm a buyer and a price I'm a seller. That, that's just a trader at heart. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. why, why are people basically drooling all over themselves for 6.5% money? You know, if it was 12 and it was, was a good investment, I get it. I mean, that's a real number. I mean, I, I'd have, I'd have my, my clients selling stock to, to get 12%, you know, risk-free basically but it wasn't 12 it was six and i'm sitting there going where the hell how is this even happening of course i don't have my my finger on the pulse of international currency obviously it was coming from japan right people were borrowing at two percent so clever guys like you and me and matt are putting up a million apiece you know maddie can do that i know and i know you can do it out out of the mattress we put up a million apiece and we immediately go to japan and we borrow 50 million and at 2%, and by the way, we drop it in currencies here at 6%. And even the three of us schmucks can make money with 30, 50 million of somebody else's money with a 4% spread, right? Now, we're forgetting the part about having to repatriate the, 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 uh, the yen back to Japan in 30 years. We're going to forget that part. So we're going to leave one, one, one leg of the spread, shall we say, ignored. But let's not go into that. It's too technical for most people. So only the Fed would have an idea that that's where the money's coming from. And that should be, if, I, if it was me, I'd say, wait a minute. 
that's a massive red flag. We we don't want that. We don't we don't want thirty dollars of of uh, leverage on top of every friggin' mortgage, right? Every dollar a mortgage. How? I mean, we we count on them to kind of miss that or to not miss. I guess we count on them because they have all this right in front of them, Hal. At least I do, to keep us out of the next problem because they're the only ones that can see it coming if they if their eyes are open. You and I, if we'd have seen those, those that bulge in money coming from Japan, going, we'd have said we got a problem here. Now, whether we could have done something about it, I don't know, but at least we'd have been aware of it. I don't think they were even aware. Do you? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, I don't know, uh, Tom. It, it's just, I think, I think when you work at a place like the Fed, I think it's hard to see that wave coming at you. I really, I really do. I mean, it's like the captain on the Titanic. Yeah. You know, that iceberg's coming at him, he's got a small rudder, and he can't turn fast enough. <clears throat> data comes in late, data comes in flawed, and I think it's just hard to write the ship. It's hard to think that what you're doing has consequences. I mean, you got, I, I don't know if you saw this, but I just read something about the new PM in U- the U.K., She's proposed. She, I forget who it is. She or he? Trust. I think it was a she. Yeah, it's a she. Oh yeah, she's yeah. a she. Yeah, she's a she. Imagine yeah, she's, that. Yeah. She's proposing a cap on energy, and then of course firms are not going to. The marginal firms are going to be knocked out of the market. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. When they cap the prices, right? So they're going to they're going to knock these marginal firms out. But what she's proposing is what I think every not that she's a dictator, but what everybody every dictator does. She's proposing she's going to subsidize the, the firms. So it's going to be a massive fiscal stimulus. This is going to make the work the problem worse. Well, it would I, just, I just don't think they think that they can make mistakes, but they, they do with their interventions. Well, here's I don't think people learn these lessons. I think uh, how it goes, it, it goes deeper. In that, and, it, and here's where I'm, here's where I'm, I'm going to say this kind of weirdly, but you and I continue to look at this from the economic side, and yet yeah. it, it's really it's not the economic side; it's the politics side. Because yeah. if if her or Trump or or Biden, whoever the hell it happens to be, the, the discipline and the and the that used to be there. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go back to Mayberry or whatever that used to be there. It certainly is in uh, in uh, cities. Okay, or should be. I mean, it certainly is in small towns. Uh, the discipline is there because when you market yourself as a politician, okay, the the idea is you're you're giving people stuff, whatever the stuff is. And oh, by the way, you're taking money from them to pay for the stuff. So the person who can either give you the stuff in a more efficient manner than the other guy, or be smarter in what he gives you, or something, should win the quote election. But as soon yeah. as you start playing games to where I'm, I'm going to borrow money overseas and not tell you about it, where I'm somehow, I have 10% more money to work with than you do because I'm sneaking away in there, or I'm going to sell the parking meters <clears throat> for a lot of dough without any, any thought of how much it's going to cost us over the next 50 years. I mean, once you start doing stuff like that, I think now the uh, you just hit the nail, I think, right on the head by saying, they, the idea now, the discipline has been totally lost, in my opinion. And it doesn't matter whether it was Trump, whether it was Biden. 
It, it has to do yeah, with it if, if I if I put this out there, you're supposed to either be able to sell to the population. Okay, the idea that I can raise taxes for this purpose, and we're all better off for it. Okay, which is a tough sell to people. By the way, it's not easy because people want to give you dough. Or you can say, I'm going to go out and borrow it, and in the long run, whatever I'm doing is going to cause enough good to happen that I can pay this money back easier. It's, it's for instance, it's it's borrowing money for Hoover Dam, and we're going to get the money back over electricity for the next 30 years, or Tennessee Valley, or the Golden Gate Bridge, which is going to be a toll. You, you can go down that road. But now we've given these bleeps essentially the third leg. We'll just print it. And as long as you come up with some lame story about how over the next period of time, it's going to be a give back, like this this last bill. We're going to get the money back from corporate taxes. Up my behind with that one. There's no chance that that yeah. bill is going to pay for itself. But in the meantime, we're just going to print money and cover it. Well, what, once you've given these guys that out, it, it's a whole different program. And this lady in, in, in Britain has no more desire to raise taxes to pay for this, whatever she's planning on doing, the man in the moon. She's gonna she's gonna print it and hope it works, or she's not there when it doesn't work. That's the style now. Yeah, she's gonna I, be she's gonna be gone by the time the bills come to you, right? Right. But I have a question That's for her. That's how this works, right? By the That's way, how she's this works. she's a plan of uh, Reaganomics. Now, other than George Bush the first saying that was nothing but voodoo economics, can a can a PhD in it? Can you even tell me what Reaganomics is and did it ever work and does it make, ever make any sense? Well, I think with politics, it's really hard because you know. Reagan got slammed for running these huge budget deficits, but in order to get his taxes through, he had to, like, compromise on the budget side, on the spending side. I mean, I, I don't think any theory is going to work as designed or how you want it because of the, like you said, the politics of it. But I think what Reaganomics was, to me, as a young kid in Idaho, growing up in a Republican household, to me what Reaganomics was, it was just, I mean, tax rates were what, 75% back then? They were, uh, was able to, they were 70. They were pretty high, weren't they? Yeah, they were up there at 70. And he was able to get them down to like 25. Well, no, he dropped the corporate rate. He dropped the corporate rate. Kennedy dropped it from 90 to 70. 90? Yeah, 90 to 70, yeah. And Reagan dropped it from 70 to 50. But yeah. well, in, in doing so, they got rid of a lot of uh, <clears throat> things you could write off against it. So yeah. when you raise them back up, you don't get those back. That's that's a problem. But yeah, well, he, I think the whole idea was that uh, people. I mean, the whole, I think if he could have done it, I, I think it would have worked because what he's talking about is, you know, when, when you raise tax rates like the left wants to do, you don't understand that the tax revenue curve actually bends. It actually will bend down because as tax rates get so high, people file find legitimate ways to hide their income from the tax man. Or, or it drives commerce underground. And you see a lot of that in New York City. There is a lot of underground commerce in New York City because the tax rates are so high. So I think what the idea was, if you lower the tax rate to more below the, uh, to the optimal level, you'll maximize the tax revenue and you'll legitimize a lot of work. And maybe at least economic growth, right? I think that that was the idea. But the problem with that was the spending side. And, you know, Reagan wasn't a fiscal conservative, and Trump wasn't a fiscal conservative, right? I, I find it funny that people think that Trump was a fiscal conservative, but he was not. No. He exploded 
the deficits and um, government spending. I mean, we have the largest military by far in the in the world, and he grew the, the defense budget. So, for people to think that Trump was a fiscal conservative, I find that laughable. Well, he wasn't. it's a, I mean, compared to Biden, he is. But well, uh, I'm sure you saw the movie The uh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and what was it when the when the legend conflicts with the with the with the with the facts? Print the legend. Yeah, it's a well, yeah. I mean, I I think that everybody has an ego that if it's my idea, it's going to re- give us huge return, and we'll get it back in the end, right? Whoever it is, whatever. It, yeah, they, the, 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 the solution here is I think there's hope because Chile rejected the changing of their constitution to all these, you know, big government programs and free this and free that. They rejected it. I think they rejected it. 60, 40, 70, 30 recently. So I think there's hope. I think people are starting to see that this populism doesn't work. And the, the Prime Minister of England is riding a, in a populist wave, talking about price controls and subsidizing the farms for their losses if she in, in, puts in place these price caps. So I think people are, are waking up to it that it doesn't work. So I, I see that there is hope if Chile rejects it in mass, and I hope America wakes up soon and rejects it here. Well, you can't. I mean, but you got populism coming from both sides. You got kind of a socialist populism coming from the left. You got this populism coming from the right. I, I just saw a study the other. Uh, I just saw somebody share something on Facebook or uh, Twitter the other day about how if we put tariffs, if we slap tariffs like raise tariffs like 10% or 35% in certain, certain industries is going to bring jobs back. But, you know, that's they tried that with Smigahawley back in the 1920s and 30s. And it probably contributed to the Great Depression. What, what do you... Financially, uh, so... What do you make of uh, of Carl's... Uh, Carl Denninger was on Friday. I mean, I've never asked you your opinion on this, but I mean, Carl has not spelled it out in terms of dollars and cents for individual products. But he... He thinks there needs to be, because the tariffs are kind of the only way we can do it. He says we 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 buried our in, our industry in this country because we don't want anything dirty here, okay, and we, and we don't want child labor, slave labor here, but somehow we're willing to offshore that, and it's okay yeah. if the Chinese pollute the hell out of the place, thinking foolishly that that's not our error as well. And oh, by the way, we don't care if a fourteen-year-old Chinese girl works because we're not seeing it. He's, he thinks that we need to have some sort of a, if you're going to do that, the simplest example is if you got a dirty plant on our side of the Rio Grande and uh, you say, oh, the, the laws here are too tough, we'll, we'll put it on the other side of the Rio Grande and we'll just dump it in on the other side. He thinks you need to even that up tariff-wise. You can't, you can't let people just do that. I don't know what the system on that would be. He says you need to even up. If somebody else is going to hire a 14-year-old girl for $3 a, a day, you can't just let that happen uh, because you're not letting it happen here. And he's convinced that tariffs might be a way might be a way to even that up. How how, how do you? The one thing I don't, that's, I don't agree. With, I don't agree with that at all. I don't I don't agree that tariffs are the solution. I well, so what what is? I guess the, the biggest flaw in uh, in Milton Friedman. And I, I, I by the way, I, I was so happy I took a class or two from the dude and uh, listened to a lot of his lectures outside of class. Um, I learned so much from the man. I, you know, but I also he wasn't perfect, 
and his massive imperfection was, uh, in, in my opinion, not that he it didn't make sense at the time, but it didn't work out. His massive imperfection was, if you give help to even dictators, that if you if you if a society starts rolling along with economic freedom, it will follow through to political freedom, and it obviously has not worked. It didn't. It hasn't worked in Mexico. It hasn't worked in China. It hasn't worked in Russia. Where they don't have much economic freedom. It has not worked. Didn't work in Chile. That's why he got rousted out of Chicago and ended up going to Stanford. Um, didn't work in any of those places because somehow or another, the political, in in his mind, by now, the Chinese people should have been like the American people and said, "No, we're not letting twelve-year-old girls or thirteen or fifteen or hell is working factories." And oh, by the way, we want to get paid. But in fact, the political the political hacks are the ones getting paid. And they're getting paid to keep their their thumb on the on the neck of workers, correct? I mean, and we and, and economics has not been able to blow through the politics. So I'm going to say he was very wrong. Now, whether was it worth trying it, probably, but it didn't work out that way. So, what exactly do you do when somebody leaves here because somebody wants to make twenty five dollars an hour, and you go over there and hire some fourteen year old kid or a slave out of one of the the, the Muslim nations, and they work for nothing and Oh great! These blue jeans are cheaper. I'll buy them there. What what is the solution there? Hal? I mean, I know it's a, it's a big question, but if it, it, I don't think tariffs necessarily going to work either. But I don't have a second choice. Do you? Yeah, it's it's almost like it's the least worst thing to do. I mean, I think I think tariffs are bad. I think what we're doing in the United States is bad. So I'm honestly, the only thing we can do is restore federalism. I mean, that's what we have to do. Is we have to restore the we have to restore federalism. And we have to unrestrain the economy. I, I think when you restrain the economy and you slap on tariffs, I think it's going to make it worse. But you can't, when you say restrain, the, you, you've got the government in some area. I, by the way, I'm with you on 99% of this. But when you have something like um, infant formula, how the hell do we only have four people? You, you, can't, you can't start from here and say, let's just go back to federalism, because we only got four. And the government's buying 50% yeah. of it. I mean, we're so far down the road that, you know what I'm saying, I don't know that you can't just, you almost got to, you got to fix it, fix it before you can let it be competitive because you're the one that screwed it up, not you personally, but I mean, we have to find a way to get from four to ten infant formula makers and then we can let it go. I don't, I don't see how you let it go now, do you? How do you let it go in Commonwealth Edison do what they do? You can't just say, that's okay, let it go. I mean, how do you let it go? You yeah. already tied it up. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the agriculture industry. You have uh, hangovers from World War One still. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just really, I don't want to place tariffs on these goods. I don't think it'll work. I think it'll lead to even more inflation or higher prices. So I, I don't think tariffs are the solution. I think what we have to do is we have to expose we have, we have to use education to ex- expose these. I don't think most people know that slave labor is being used in the production of their goods and services. I think we try to keep that hush-hush, and I think what we have to do is we have to use education um, to let people know how this stuff is working. It, it leads to these perverse outcomes. So I think if we, if we shed light on it, so and we... Say that these policies don't reduce pollution. 
it just offshores it and creates even more pollution in areas where they don't really care about the quality of the environment. So you, so you think, real quick, we got to dash, you think if I go to the Nike store in Michigan City that has massive amounts of people in line, a lot of them, a lot of, well, everybody should be abhorrent about save slavery, but a lot of people in line I are... I don't think you can shame the consumers into it. I think what you do is you shame the politicians into it. You shame the politicians, you shame the media, and I think that's how you change it. I don't well, think you can shame the consumer. Well, if the consumer doesn't thinking, care... Well, I'm not going to buy this Nike. I think you have to shame the company, the CEOs. You have to shed light on what the politicians are doing. You have to shed light on what the CEOs are doing. You have to shed light on what the media is doing. I think they're keeping it hush-hush. All right, serious... They don't want to upset China. Serious food for thought, bud. Get kicked out. All right, take care of yourself. Uh, so you don't get lost on campus and start acting, asking students where you're going. It'll be very embarrassing. <laughs> SP Futures up 24, NASDAQ Futures up 70. Get a campus map. Don't be looking at your phone find out what the building is, for God's sake. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.